from Simpac Live, where the rubber meets the road. I'm your host, Jeff Matthews, and today I welcome Christy Batista, CTO Global and GM Australia of Alum Energy. Alum Energy is an Australian company that's developed the world's first behind-the-meter solar-sharing technology for multi-dwelling buildings. Welcome, Christy. Thanks, Jeff. Nice to finally meet you. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, Alum Energy. Now, when you research Alum Energy, two things sort of come through. Is, is one is your uh, groundbreaking piece of tech that allows um, uh, um, multi-tenanted buildings to share rooftop solar, and, and we'll talk about that in, mm -hmm. in, in depth in a, in a couple of minutes. But the other thing comes through is is your is your company culture. And it, it comes through strongly in everything you do. Obviously, that's something, and, and staff seem to be proud of the work they do and proud of the company they work for. And it's something that comes, I've found, it always comes from the top and, and leadership style. And um, But when you get the staff believing in what they're doing and, and, and loving their work and loving the company, that's a powerful combination. It sure is, 100%. Couldn't agree more. I think when you bring together value-aligned people, that are pulling towards a common mission and create a culture for them to thrive in. It's a really powerful combination. So at Alum Energy, you know, being part of the renewable energy transition drives our team because they're really driven by a greater why, a real purpose and that real meaningful work. And when each team member knows the role that they have in that mission, and how they're going to ultimately scale their positive impact on the world. It's, yeah, it's a winning combo. And, and are you growing very fast? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, when I joined in early 2019, so about four and a half years ago, I think there was five or six of us, and now we'd be um, almost 40 people, um, predominantly in Australia, but we've got about five or six in the UK and another five or six in um, the US. So yeah, we are we are growing um, in our team size, but also our impact. Great. And look, the IEA say that we're going to need another thirty million jobs by two thousand and thirty in the in renewable energy alone, let alone let alone the, the rest of it mm. for full decarbonisation and and sustainability. And usually they, they will underpredict that as well. So that's a yeah. lot of people coming through. And on a general, on a, on a general outlook, how, how important do you think it is for uh, the leaderships of businesses such as yours to create that sort of culture that you've got to attract uh, employees? Yeah, it, this is a really great question. I'm, I'm glad you've um, put it into the discussion. I. I think it's really key to not only attracting young talent but retaining it too. I think that retaining piece is really sometimes that's missed, like people focus on getting people in the door but not thinking about, well, how do they retain them and make sure they're not in, having high turnover. So what I'm seeing, and, you know, you can see this in, in the data and um, research as well, is that more and more people are saying they want their work to matter. They want to have meaning over and above often their salary. They want to feel connected to a really awesome team that they feel part of, but also something that's bigger than themselves. And there's lots of aspects to a thriving culture, but I think in particular for young people, it's important to empower them with opportunities to grow and learn. That's, that's really important um, for their stage of career and development. 
And so like one of the key values that we have at Alum is in order for our business to grow, each individual needs to grow too. And we really reinforce that message regularly and we make sure we do things as a business to support and promote personal development, whether that's individual coaching and mentoring, um, on-the-job training, but also giving regular feedback, you know, regular feedback to pat people on the back when they're, they're really delivering and, and growing, but also give them that improvement feedback that enables them to sort of get to that next level. And with this as well as what I would call a leader as coach um, mindset um, approach to leadership, it's been really amazing to just see that there's been no real ceiling put on team members' growth. And we've had some really amazing individual growth stories that have emerged um, and continue to do so. So I really think people are genuinely creating their own impact and opportunity to loom. And I mean, the extra cool thing I really love about this is that you're creating the leaders of tomorrow and they'll go on to create more cultures that allow others to thrive and, and to solve some of the most pertinent problems and challenges of our time. So yeah, I really um, believe in, in this aspect of um, leadership and culture. And, and I, you know, I've um, I've got you down for uh, earmarked you for for speaking on on, on energy at, at our main conference, Simpac. But we also have uh, the, the, the Simpac Youth Summit. And yep. just hearing you speak, I, I think we've got to get you talking to our to our youth because we're going to have over a thousand youth attending, and um, and all looking to come through into manufacturing and renewable energy and and. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the things about them, and I've given them, a, I wanted to engage them meaningfully. And so I've mm. given them the role to vote on all the best in show prizes. And, and, yeah. as, I, and as I say, good luck, good luck getting some greenwashing past them. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice one. And, uh, but yeah, but I'm sure that as they enter the workforce, that they're looking, they're looking for, um, for, for companies uh, such as yourself and leaders such as yourself to really, you know, uh, to give them that the, the the outlook that they can go and work and make an impact and 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 work for mm. companies and there are companies like you out there, you know. So um, yeah. So thank you for your thank you for your leadership on that. So now to no to uh, to things energy and and to to soul share your 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 yeah. I think a patent in technology, but certainly world leading technology. Can you take us mm. through what it does? Why it's important, and um, and I know that you're primarily focused at the moment on apartment buildings, but um, but as we know, um, shared accommodation runs across um, manufacturing and industry because mm. most of our manufacturers, a hundred thousand manufacturers in Australia, nine hundred thousand employees. By definition, they're small medium enterprises, mm. and those industrial parks and those industrial business centres, you know, where they uh, they have to share roof space. Uh, it's going to be an important step for them to decarbonise, is to is to be able mm. to you know to to partake in this in this energy transition. Uh, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot within all that. So let, let, let's maybe start with yeah. um, the problem that Alum Energy is solving and set out to solve. So until recently, it was only standalone homes that could access rooftop solar. And Alum Energy recognised this wasn't fair and with the future seeing more and more living in medium-density dwellings or, as you have pointed out, um, 
shared industrial areas or shared um, professional services, there was a solution that was needed. Um, you know, approximately 30% of Australians live in multi-dwelling buildings and that, that number's set to rise. So you're probably, probably going to see the future have more people utilising shared green spaces and living in that, those um, shared apartment spaces. And if you look to somewhere like Sydney, um, if I've got this data right, I think about 90% of new build approvals are actually strata. So that shows you what's coming. And I think importantly too, um, if you look at the energy price crisis that we're in um, and the cost of living challenges, you know, we're really going to have an energy equity issue too if we can't actually roll out clean and affordable energy to everyone in the population rather than just those in standalone homes. So basically, Alum set about to, to find a solution to this problem. We recognised and we thought, you know, we, we need to find a solution and we did. We developed a world-first technology, um, which is called the SolShare, and it basically allows a solar that's generated from a single rooftop solar installation to be distributed and shared by the residents of a multi-dwelling building. So it's a hardware and a software solution. It sits behind the meter at the main switchboard and it can distribute solar to separately metered apartments in a building, right? So we were founded in 2015. Now we're a growing international business. Um, we've got approximately 1,500 apartments connected up to solar in Australia. I think it's about 100 in the US and a further 100 in the UK and we're going to be scaling up that number significantly in the coming years. Why this is a big deal? I mean, there's a lot of reasons I think it's a big deal, but let's let, let's just highlight three. So the first one would be that um, Australia actually leads the transition in standalone rooftop solar. I think we've got about 30% penetration into the market. Um, but last year was the first time since 2015 that solar installation rates started to drop. And if you think about it, the same market's been sold into for close to a decade and therefore to reach our global warming targets, we actually need to be able to roll out rooftop solar to a, a different market. So that would be the first thing I'd highlight is the um, yeah, transition to renewable energy really needs solutions like this. The other one I, I, I touched on before is in we are in a mix of an energy crisis. And so those that are least mm. able to afford it are making harrowing choices between food and staying warm. You know, if you look at the data, those that live in uh, multi-dwelling buildings on average earn less than those that live in standalone homes. So you can't create a sustainable world without creating a more just world. You can't just leave a section of the population behind without having the access to clean and affordable energy from the sun because they'll end up wearing the rising costs of more traditional sources of energy. So that would be the second one. And the third one that I'd like to highlight is I think Alum's a really good example of an Australian born and bred clean tech company. We still um, design and develop and, and build our product in Melbourne and I firmly believe this climate emergency is also a jobs opportunity. So, you know, from research through to product development, through to manufacturing a product and trades for installation, we can build a clean tech hub in Australia and, and be that renewable energy superpower that um, 
often gets mentioned, like let's actually action it. So that's where I'd, <laughs> yeah, I'll let you jump in with a few words there. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the one of the things, yes, and thank you for all of that. Um, one of the things I I picked up on was mm. that where you've installed your shoulder on, on apartments, you're getting a higher rate of uh, of the solar use by the dwelling owners. So, and what I see, and I've got friends in it, and it's got rooftop solar in Australia, mm. and they're paying horrendous. Um, I've got two of them that produce more power over the year than they consume, mm. but their bills are huge because, of course, they produce it during the day. They export it to the grid at yeah. six cents or whatever, and then they buy it back yeah. at 29, or it might even be 35 now um, when they get home. Yeah. And um, so being able to, and I, I talk, uh, as you know, I talk internationally on demand side response, and and, and mm-hmm. my my thing is, you've got to use it. You, you know, you you've got to use your own first. Mm. Don't don't export it at six cents and import it back at twenty nine. Um, mm. And I noticed that you're getting up to you're getting some higher percentages. And can you explain mm. is, is that because uh, explain why you're getting those percentages? Which is great, by the way. It's great for the grid. Yeah. Um, well, as you pointed out. Um, yeah, obviously the feed-in tariff for solar is a lot lower than utilising grid energy. So I've also got solar for the first time on my townhouse and I think I'm getting $0.08 cents feed-in tariff. So that's for the excess solar I don't use that's exported back to the grid. And my bills are probably uh, higher. Sorry, my rate of, of Grid is probably higher than I'm about to say, but I think last time I looked, it was 24 cents. So you can see it's about three times as yep. much to use the grid power as, yeah, it's not like a one-for-one one, um, comparison. So obviously increasing your solar use is really beneficial for both your bills but also um, your carbon footprint. But it's hard, right, because uh, we're not always home at the time that the sun's shining, which is my problem. <laughs> And and therefore you end up exporting a lot, but then um, unless you've you've got a battery, you you can't really obviously access that that solar at night when the sun isn't shining. So with the sol sol share for apartment buildings, what it, because you're sharing the solar on that roof space, you can get increased utilization compared to a standalone home, and it's because of time of use. We're making sure that all the residents get an even share over a billing month. And, and we um, they get access to visibility of that by a monitoring portal. But what it means we can do is we can start to recognise patterns and say, um, I don't know, Sally in apartment A is always using a lot of energy on, on Monday and Wednesday between these times. Let's send solar to her then. But Fred in apartment B, he tends to use a lot at these hours at the late afternoon on a Tuesday and Friday, let's send energy to him now. Or, um, you know, someone's on holidays for the first two weeks of the the billing cycle, obviously doesn't make sense to send solar to them then. Um, But then they get back home and then they they can get their equal share towards the back end of the month. So it's it's that sharing economy that means you actually get high utilisation rates in a standalone um, home because there's different people home at different times. So, yeah, it's as simple as that in a way and some smart algorithms. Good. 
Yeah, and and do you do you work with the uh, apartment um, uh, the tenants at all to load shift to try and encourage them to shift from um, you know from like putting their washing machines and their dryers on during the day when the solar's uh, going that sort of thing? Um, I wouldn't say like super directly, but obviously what you're pointing out is a important um, thing that education piece. I think in the in the solar industry, I'm finding a lot of people are looking for trusted sources of information and need to be taken on on the journey um, because there can be a lot yep. of misunderstandings. A, a one story I heard um, from an event I was at in Sydney was from a, a home. It was a big big home that had pool pumps and um, a lot of energy use, and someone door knocked yep. to see if they would like solar and. They said, oh, no, 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 we don't want solar because we don't want to not be able to have the lights on at night. So their misunderstanding was that when the sun wasn't <laughs> shining, they couldn't even access grid power anymore. So that was the whole reason they weren't getting solar. And by that person who door knocked educating them about how it worked, they signed up for getting rooftop solar straight away. So I think there's a part in here where it's about how do we take people on the journey to understand um, things in a holistic way because it can be quite intimidating. I know even when I got um, solar for myself, uh, I was asking a lot of yeah. questions, as you can imagine someone like me me would, um, and there was a lot to get your head around. So it is it is it can be difficult for people um, that maybe don't feel confident to ask what they think is a silly question. I just encourage people to do it anyway. Um, just ask the questions right. so that you can get educated. But, Yeah. Yeah, because um, even when when businesses and as I said, you know, manufacturing in Australia is is largely small, medium enterprise. Mm. You know, the fact that they're going to if if you want to export your goods, especially to the EU, soon, you're going to have to account for your carbon footprint. You're going to have mm. to understand things like scope three emissions and and stuff, which mm. most people just don't want to do. And 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 the question I get asked. Is usually, you know, where do you start? And to me, it, it's yeah. it's either signing a, a PPA for renewable energy or installing some rooftop solar in Australia. That's where you would start. And so these, um, and I was visiting uh, someone up in uh, Logan the other day, and they've mm. got a massive roof spaces big warehouse business, mm. and you look at it and, you know, I, I said to them, I think you could be generating this for the, <laughs> generating power for the entire neighbourhood. But um, it, it, to, to me, that's the first bit of a decarbon. Let's take the easy ones. And, and um, so, and, and as I said, I know you've been focused on apartments, but these, yeah. but it's exactly the same principle for an industrial mm-hmm. estate or, or, or people in, in, who don't own the rooftop, but maybe um, are a tenant and, and, and could look at collectively doing this. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, just to talk about, the space um, that you're suggesting and the applicability of something like the soul shared to it, I'd, I'd point out that we have capacity constraints in terms of um, our product. So it's a 22 kilowatt product. So it's not going to be applicable to really power hungry industrial applications. But I think as you're yeah. pointing out, a lot of commercial applications are not as power hungry as people might think. Um, many yes. commercial spaces are likely to need things like lights, 
maybe a staff kitchen area, computers, um, making sure you're maintaining a comfortable temperature with heating and cooling. And so I actually think it is a really good use case, um, the commercial applications, because if you think about it, they're there during the day when the sun is shining and solar generation's at its greatest. So that's a real positive. And I thought I'd share a couple of use cases where we have installed the the SolarShare in more commercial applications. One is um, it's a corporate centre in Maroochydore in Queensland and um, 30 of the 37 tenancies are connected to solar via the SolarShare. And so they've got approximately 100 kilowatts of um, PV or solar in total. So you would just have multiple soul shares. So I, I should have mentioned earlier, each soul share in Australia can connect up to 15 tenancies. So, you know, if, you, if you're connecting up 30 tenancies, you just have two soul shares. Um, right. So, and, they're, and they're, the businesses there are things like a finance broker, a lawyer, a medical practitioner, a yoga studio, you know, things like that. So that's working really well. Another use case is we've got um, one in Newtown, New South Wales, and this one's got five um, tenancies connect up up to three-phase power. So the sole share can either connect up to five single-phase outputs or five three-phase outputs. And three-phase for those that might be listening and aren't um, – aware of it or, or used to hearing about it. It's it's more commonly used in industrial or commercial settings where more powerful appliances are used. And so that's a possibility with the sole share too, as long as those capacity limits are not um, breached. And in this case where there's the five three-phase outputs, they've got a hairdresser, I think it's a tour agency, an architect, a, a software company and a hair salon in a shared um, building space. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and again, they're all there during the day. They they yeah. could get a high use of solar, and um, it, it seems to me it seems to me perfect. Uh, uh, um, a perfect application. So, yeah, one hundred percent, definitely. So, Christy, take me through how somebody would sign up, or how do how do apartments go about organising themselves, and and does it mean what does it mean? Is it a drama to sign up, and and how long have you got to sign to? Do they have to ship from providers? I mean, just take through the process yeah. of that. Yeah, good question. Um, so, like, due to the smart algorithms we've got on the product, over a billing month each resident receives an equal share of clean and affordable energy sent to them at a time which maximises their savings as I talked to. There's no change actually needed to your energy retailer and there's no additional bills. So the only thing the tenants will notice is reduced energy bills and they'll get to feel good that they're doing their bit to reduce their carbon footprint. So the tenant can see um, their solar energy consumption via a portal. So there's great transparency there. So that's really all they need to do. It's just one holistic solution, you know, this economy of sharing. The the building's basically sharing those solar panels, one inverter rather than needing an inverter per apartment and a sole share for up to 15 apartments. Right. So, so who pays for the installation of the solar and and the sole share? That is that divided up between the tenants as a capital investment. 
Yeah, so maybe if we talk to like an owner's corporation, because that's probably um, an easy one to understand, owner's corporations often have what's called a sinking fund and that's their building upgrades or repairs and that can often be um, utilised to install something like rooftop solar and and the tenants not feel that upfront cost so much. Um, So that's, that's how it would be funded. Um, there are a lot of rebates and also grants that are starting to come through, like one that's come through in the ACT for multi-dwelling buildings means that they can access up to $100,000 for rooftop solar. So this is a very like, new one that I think has come through in the last week or two, probably out of um, right. the new budget that was set. And so yeah. I'm going a little bit from memory here, but I think 50% of that $100,000 is a particular rebate from the ACT and then the other 50% is an interest-free loan from the ACT government. So, yeah, that that's what um, I would say there. Okay, I've got two other questions here, okay? Um, one <laughs> oh, we've got lots of questions. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so one is could you incorporate uh, a battery technology uh, behind the meter within the system and can the tenants when if use that battery let's say to support the grid uh, when it's at times of it needs some uh, power and sell uh, energy to the grid could it be used mm. to, in a battery situation yeah 100% so we can integrate our um soul share system with batteries um For sure, and I think in future particularly as battery technology becomes more affordable and hopefully we get some tailwinds with policies at a government level um, starting to really support the the cost of getting batteries installed in in homes and apartment buildings and um, industrial or commercial applications. I think it's also going to be important not just for reducing the demand on the grid, but it's also going to provide some resiliency. So if we've got situations where there's power outages, if you've got a battery, it means you're going to be able to like power at least critical loads. Like even if you're trying to really stretch out that um, battery capacity, you can make sure that really critical functions like um, lighting and um, things like that are maintained. So I think that's going to become more and more significant, especially with uh, the fact that, you know, there's the prediction of more sort of, extreme weather fluctuations if we look at situations like floods and things that we've had in Australia there have been communities that have been cut off from grid power so you can almost think about it of these little spots of power that could be um, self-sustaining by utilizing solar and battery technology. So and, and the last question it's almost a statement question is, is, is really until SolShare came along there's really been very few options for multi-tenanted buildings to 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 share uh, solar resources, and so mm. you know your yours really does solve a big gap in the market. Yeah, so there was, there's basically were two other options, and there are two other options um, as well as the sole share for for getting. Uh, solar energy to apartment buildings or multi-dwelling tenancies. And that's either an individual solar system per apartment or an embedded network. But I'll talk about why they're different to the solar share technology. So the downsides of an individual solar system per apartment compared to the solar share are cost, 
because you need to do things like an inverter per apartment rather than we only need yep. one inverter for 15 apartments, space constraints. Um, and also you don't get that optimised benefits of sharing solar that we've talked about um, throughout our conversation. So it, it doesn't um, stack up as well. And then from an embedded network point of view, I might just talk through what an embedded network is just for those yep. that might know that are listening. But an embedded electricity network is basically a privately owned and managed electricity network that often supplies all premises within a specific area or a building. Um, yep. They generally buy electricity in bulk and then they on-sell it to the customer inside their network. So. The cell share can actually be complementary to embedded networks. We can work with them um, if that makes sense. But the additional benefits of the cell share compared to an embedded network are that the solar is directly connected to apartments. So you know that you're getting solar directly connected to your apartment and you can, um, I suppose, have that real transparency. The solar allocation to each apartment can be tailored. So there are use cases where you might say, um, well, well, let's look talk about a commercial application. Say um, premise number one is a lot bigger than um, number two, you might want to actually allocate a greater portion of the solar to number one versus number two tenancy and, and bill accordingly. So it has that flexibility within the algorithms that we can set up things in a really flexible way. The other thing I've mentioned is there's the freedom of choice um, in terms of retailer used. And also solar is really shown to increase property value um, once you have it installed and there's no ongoing contract. So they're the differences and the additional benefits compared to an embedded network. And and where where do you see where do you see an Australian company where where do you where do you see how how big how, can you go and conquer the world? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, big things, Jeff. Hopefully, really big things. Um, I mean, I think where we want to go is we really want to capitalise on this head start that we've got with this world first technology. Our product is globally relevant. Um, we are in six countries now across three continents, but we're really focusing on three sort of major solar markets, being Europe, the US, and Australia. It's very likely that competitors will pop up at some point. So what we're really focusing yeah. on is we need to make sure that we establish a really um, strong and well-regarded brand. As I mentioned before, I think there's a place for a real trusted and reliable voice in the solar industry, you know, one that takes people on the journey and shares knowledge. Um, and so... Yeah, we're really trying to build that that brand. Um, we're looking to build really tight, long-term relationships with local providers, so particularly local installers. And technology, technology development, I would say, is the heartbeat of Illume. So we're constantly continuing to improve and develop our technology. We want to make sure as we learn from the market, we make a product that meets the customer's needs and changing market conditions even more and more by adding new features and benefits, et cetera. So, um, yeah, we'll really be focusing on, um, I suppose, more deeply entering the, the, the Europe and US and Australian market um, 
even though, I mean, the, the technology is applicable to really any market, but we, we think they're the markets to go over to start with. And, you know, ultimately, I, I hope that in my lifetime I get to see a Looms vision come true, which is a world where everyone can access clean and affordable energy from the sun. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for appearing on Simpact Live. It was a great chat. It was lovely to meet you. Um, you're inspiring as a, as a, as a leader. Um, I love what you're doing. I love that it's Australian and you're out there, you know, you've got ambitions to go and, and take this technology worldwide. You're also, what you're doing in, in delivering, you know, uh, solar power and, and renewable energy to people who, who don't have an, a, a, a way of doing that, uh, to me, is fantastic. It's just a, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing all around, and, uh, and we wish you all the best. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, I appreciate you making the time um, for me to talk on this podcast and, yeah, supporting Illum's journey. So appreciate it. Thank you.